I've been a statistic, and I'm about to be one again. Although I love math and numbers, these ones make me really sad. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast, Resistics. My name is Callie, and I am a female engineer. After graduating college with a bachelor's in physics and a minor in secondary education, I entered the workforce as a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed high school physics teacher. I was part of an innovative and supportive science department focused on data-based practices. We taught physics to high school freshmen, which was absolutely the right choice for our student population. Our department chair led a great group of talented teachers through the change to a physics-first curriculum. We were a diverse high school with students ranging in socioeconomic status, race, religion, and nationality. We even had a special program for deaf and hard of hearing students that bust in kids from all over the suburbs. Sounds like an incredible school, and it was, but after just three years, I left the profession of teaching. An article published in 2000 on teacher attrition estimated that up to 29% of brand new teachers leave the profession within three years, and up to 39% leave the profession within five years. And within those teachers who choose to leave the profession, the top three reasons for leaving were poor salary, poor administrative support, and student discipline problems. Guess why I left? Well, if I'm being fully honest, I mostly left due to student discipline problems. My second year was filled with bullies and fights, and I became so disheartened in the kids, I didn't know how to fix the problem. I have to also say, though, that my third year of teaching was filled with incredibly talented, smart, and caring students who I miss every single day. But by the time I had those students, it was too late. I had given up on my abilities to not only manage the students, but also turn them into good human beings. So I changed professions to a career that felt more within my control, engineering. I got a master's degree in mechanical engineering and have been a practicing research and development engineer for just over three years. And unfortunately, I have really strong urges to leave the profession. I am a good engineer. I meet my objectives and deadlines. I'm organized and tactful. I prototype and analyze data quickly and accurately. I am a good engineer. My boss constantly says he's impressed with my work and recently gave me a promotion that he pushed hard for me to have. I come up with creative solutions, and I work hard to understand our customer. I really am a good engineer. So why do I want to leave? Well, it's simple, the environment. A recent article cited that around 38% of women who entered the workforce as an engineer have left the profession. Of that chunk of women, around 80% of them left due to the difficult workplace conditions, so reasons like bad climate, lack of advancement opportunities, or non-supportive supervisors and coworkers. It's important to highlight how this compares to men. So it's estimated that around one in four women leave engineering, while only one in 10 men have left. So not only do I feel isolated and out of place as the only woman engineer on my team, but I also feel like the workplace is not equitable and I don't know how to survive in the environment. This is my attempt at a solution. Women feel isolated because we often feel that we do not fit in in the typical business environment. Now, some women have had very successful careers by fitting in with the men, and if that works for them, awesome. They found their solution. 
but I cannot pretend to care about motorcycles or hunting, and it does not feel authentic to try to be part of the boys' club. Other women have blazed their own trails, pushing for what they believe in. And as you can imagine, or may currently feel, that gets really tiring. So my goal with this podcast is to further create an environment in which women feel okay with who they are as engineers and in the business environment. We can recognize our strengths and areas for improvement and figure out how to change the workplace together. Throughout this podcast, I will talk about my experiences in the workplace. I will discuss articles and stories I've read online. I'll bring up books that I have started and maybe finished reading because let's be honest, I'm not a very good reader. I will answer questions from the field, I'll interview people, and I will definitely talk about statistics and numbers. And although this is my story with my characters and my situations, I bet it's not all that different from yours. And so through this, I hope to connect people and to start to shift the workplace. Now it's time for a little segment I like to call Small Moments, Big Impacts. For today's discussion, I'd like to talk about, dun dun dun, the handshake. You know, when people get together for business and as a polite greeting, they shake hands. Such a small, small thing. It lasts, what, two or three seconds? I cannot tell you how much discomfort and anxiety and awkwardness that little guy has caused for me. My heart pounds in my chest, waiting to see if I get offered a handshake or trying to decide if I should offer one. The men do it so seamlessly. A big, deep welcome. Hey, Tim, good to see you. Solid handshake. Gary, how's it going, man? Another solid handshake. Oh, and hi, Callie, how are you? Awkward pause and then an awkward little half wave. Sigh. Uh, This small moment can instantly make me feel like an outsider. And to start out a meeting feeling isolated does not put me in the best mind state to feel like an equal contributor to the rest of the meeting. Now, on days when I've had a great cup of coffee and I have a bit of pep in my step, I've just gone in for the handshake. And if I initiate it, I never get left hanging. I get a nice, polite handshake in return. But if I do not initiate it, it rarely happens. It's such a small thing, but really has a big impact on my confidence and feeling included. All right, back to the main shebang. Why resistics? It's the fundamental idea of resisting statistics, not resisting using them because it's probably one of the best maths out there, but resisting becoming one. We live in a world that now cares about data. We trust what we can prove, not just what people say, usually. Or I think we're at least getting there. But here's the thing about statistics. Statistically significant data means there's something there. It's not just me worrying about being too sensitive or too emotional. The data shows it's real. Statistics show that it goes beyond a feeling or a thought or an idea. When you gather data from a wide group of people and show a relevant trend, it means something. And the data on women in engineering sucks. Of the 2 million engineers in the US, 10% of them are women. Guess what? We make up half the population. And so even though more women are getting STEM degrees, many women don't stay beyond a couple of years. And we're leaving for really important reasons. 
So the big question, why does it matter? Well, I wish I could say it matters because it's the right thing to do. There is a gap in pay for women, a gap in leadership positions for women, a gap in numbers of women in tech fields, and all of those should change because it's the right thing to do. Unfortunately, that's not enough for some people. So beyond just doing it because as a community, it's the right thing to do, I have two other main reasons. One is definitely scientifically studied, and the other is just my own prediction. Obviously, this matters to me because I am feeling uncomfortable in a job that I'm good at and don't believe I should want to leave because of the environment. But on the large scale, there are a lot of really great reasons we want to keep women in engineering and in business in general. Here are some of my favorite numbers on retaining and encouraging women. The first is that companies with the highest representation of women leaders see 41% increase in ROE and 56% increase on average EBIT. Along those same lines, uh, Fortune 500 firms with the best record of promoting women to high positions are between 18 and 69% more profitable than the median Fortune 500 firms in their industries. That means that companies that focus on encouraging women and promoting women make more money. Uh, but this one is my favorite. So there was a research study across 1,800 professionals and 40 different case studies. And the gist of it was that companies with diversity out-innovate and outperform. They're 45% likelier to report a growth in market share and 70% likelier to report capture of a new market. So it's obviously not just about having a woman leader in the company. It's about having a higher representation of women throughout the organization. It comes down to diversity. The bottom line is that having a more diverse workforce allows for better ideas. The data is there over and over again. Studies are finding that a workplace with a more evenly balanced representation of women make more money. And at the end of the day, that's what companies want. They want to make more money. Having a more successful company is definitely a solid reason to consider what I'm talking about. Reason number two spans a bit beyond being a woman in engineering. I've read a couple of interesting articles recently about millennials' effect on businesses. The one that really struck a chord with me said something along the lines of, Netflix didn't kill Blockbuster, Blockbuster just didn't adapt. Understanding your customer is the foundation of any successful company. And if your customer changes, your company needs to adapt. Think about companies now for a second as their customer being their employees. Millennials, yeah, we're different for sure. There's a lot of data on that. And so companies have to make a choice here. Are you willing to adapt the culture, the environment, the language, and the system in order to keep a diverse workplace? Keep in mind, more diversity means more money. A lot of companies say they want to increase women in leadership roles. And my question always comes down to, sure, how are you going to do that? And some companies are doing it and doing it really well. But if others don't change, I really don't think they'll make it through the next 10 to 20 years. Our generation is going to have a huge impact on society and on the workplace. And we're pretty stubborn. 
So companies that don't want to adapt will lose us, and companies that do will win. I'm reaching out to all companies out there. Don't become the next blockbuster. Don't ignore what your employees are asking for. Yes, we're different. But if you spend some time listening and understanding, I think we can do this together. But just like the healthcare bill, if you lock up a bunch of old white guys in a room and don't talk about your plan with the people who it actually affects and how to get there, you'll never get the yes. All right, I plan to end every episode with a shout out to someone doing something awesome. This week's shout out goes to Andy Murray, you know, the incredibly talented British tennis player. Unfortunately, he got injured during the Wimbledon and lost to American player Sam Querrey. When interviewed after the match, one of the reporters said, Andy, Sam is the first U.S. player to reach a major semifinal since 2009. How would you describe Male player. The, I beg your pardon? Male player, right? Yes, yeah. first male player. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I'm going to repeat that one more time. The reporter said, Hey, Andy, Sam is the first American player to reach the semifinals of a slam since 2009. And Andy replied with male player. If you're not too tuned into tennis, this is a big moment. American women, particularly the Williams sisters, who are American, have dominated women's tennis for years. And a total of four women from the U.S. have made it to Grand Slam finals since 2009. As with most sports and often in business, the success of women is not displayed as much as men. So thanks, Andy. That was awesome. Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Resistics. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and give me a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time to hear more stories and statistics about women in engineering and in business. Together, we can change this.